0: At first glance, security's mission remains unchanged. Keep the bad guys out. IT security is all about stopping the ransomware, hackers, and state-sponsored cyber attacks, right? Well, that's IT security. You need digital security. Hi, I'm Scott Smith, and welcome to an extended edition of Gartner ThinkCast, We've got Gartner analysts Craig Lawson and Rob McMillan on the line from Australia, where they'll be presenting at the Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit August 21st and 22nd in Sydney. Fittingly, they'll clue us in now on each side of the summit's equation. We'll talk with Craig about why we need a new security charter, and then turn to Rob on reassessing our security risk through the lens of business value. We've got Craig up first. Welcome. So, Craig... In a preview of the Security and Risk Management Summit keynote, it says that Gartner will be unveiling a new data security charter. Why do we need a new approach to data security?
1: I wouldn't really call it new per se, but it is an evolution for us. So in February of 2014, we sort of unveiled the adaptive security architecture. And it sounds kind of fancy and all that kind of stuff, but it really boils down to some basic principles we think that you need to be doing to run a good risk-based security program and so if you look at the forecasting that we do and other people do it's pretty obvious that we've kind of over budgeted or overspent in some areas around a prevention-centric approach So, but what if your prevention controls fail? So one of the things the adaptive security architecture introduced in 2014 was this concept of predict, prevent, detect, and respond. And so we think overarchingly, we've been giving people guidance for years now that we need to get better, not just at prevention, we've been doing that for 20 plus years, We need to get better as well at detecting threats that bypass other controls, but also responding to them in a timely manner. And CARTA, C-A-R-T-A is the new acronym, is an evolution of the adaptive security architecture. And we think that these aren't separate pillars either. So they're not really something that you would deploy in isolation. So for example, your response activities should also help your ability to prevent threats in the future. The things that you're detecting should mean that your response actions are faster or more efficient. Are there opportunities to do any sort of predictive analytics? So one of my areas of research has been around vulnerabilities and how they get exploited and how often. And we're at a point now where, you know, we know the quantitative data analysis is there and I'll be doing that in one of my sessions at the event. that that we have this small number of vulnerabilities that tend to cause a significant amount of damage in most organizations. So so can I use that in this kind of framework? And that's what we'll be talking about in the keynote.
0: You mentioned the acronym CARTA. What, What does that stand for?
1: CARTA is really around continuous monitoring in governments. So it's an evolution of the adaptive security architecture. So it's all about controlling and monitoring adaptive access, monitoring usage, continuous visibility of what's occurring inside your environment, but also paying attention to the external threat landscape.
0: You mentioned this is an evolution, so is it just doing better what we've already started to move toward, or is there a big change we need to make in here?
1: I don't think the change is a big one. It's just an evolution of the way we've described that. So we've added more I guess, features or capabilities or deliverables that we think that you should be doing with Carter, but they still generally boil down to doing four things well at a high level around prediction, prevention, detection and response, but also in the middle around policy and continuous compliance and analytics. So one of the, I guess, it won't be a primary theme, but we blended through a lot of presentations at our security summit in Australia will be... Things uh, like security analytics. So analytics is here. We're seeing credible examples of it in the market. And one of the things that Carter talks about is where you can use analytics to help you prevent threats, detect threats better, respond to threats faster, these kinds of things. So it's all about being continuously adaptive and getting better at detection and response as opposed to a prevention-centric sort of approach and architecture that we've had for so long.
0: Well just say it's it's changing our approach. So is this a natural evolution or is it is it going to be hard for some organizations to pivot toward this new charter?
1: I think it'll be non trivial for some people. I mean this is the thing is that if you look at this is always the balance, right? Is an organization kind of is on this continuum where I can spend, you know, not a lot on security and risk but have considerable digital risks for my digital business right or I can go to the other end of the continuum and I can spend a lot of money and resources on risk and not have a lot of risk but most people are on the continuum somewhere in the middle so I think depending on the industry vertical when you're in manufacturing retail banking or government where do you Sit on that continuum? Where do I sit on that continuum in relation to perhaps my peers in my vertical? And keeping in mind that still, even though while security budgets are going up, IT security is still roughly about 6 to 8%. Some verticals spend more, some spend less, but 6 to 8% of the total spend on IT goes to security. So, you know, we're not seeing a significant increase in spending either. So how can you kind of innovate inside your own security program, inside the budget and staffing constraints that we have? And so we've got some sessions this year as well on the staffing issue, which I think are really important. One of the problems we have is a lack of people. I mean, technology isn't going to solve everything here. We can't sort of analytics our way out of this. We still need people. So there's a people shortfall as well. So that's one of the things that we'll be addressing in that. And how do you do all of that in an ultra-competitive market now where businesses are more global than ever? It's not just a competitor in a different state or in a different city. It's a competitor from a different country. So how do we do all of that in the face of continuous innovation from the X factor where we are kind of unique, I guess, kind of in IT in general is that we have this X factor. We have to deal with threat actors who behave malevolently right and then how do you deal with that x factor because they're willing to invest and involve the same way other sort of parts of the spectrum do that but uh yeah there's always a tough one for us because in a lot of respects we're driven by external forces not ones that are tightly inside our control like if you imagine other areas of it like analytics and it operations and uh, virtualization and whatnot they don't have someone coming along and sticking a screwdriver in a power supply. <laughs> we, 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 kind of have, you know, we have that pretty well controlled. That's not the case for us. So how do we do all this in the face of constant innovation from, you know, a wide range of threat actors that are coming at our digital business? is always an interesting problem that we have to try and get our heads around.
0: Our guest is Gartner analyst, Craig Lawson, who will be uh, speaking at the upcoming Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit in Sydney. Uh, Craig, you you touched on a few right there, but uh, if you could expand on what are some of the biggest challenges we can expect to be wrestling with as we move in this new direction.
1: I think one of the biggest challenges for anyone in IT security is how do I describe to people outside of IT security, even to people inside IT, but outside that, into the business on what a good risk-based security program looks like. I mean, I'm more of a technology-focused analyst. We can help you pick the best firewall for you. We can help you pick the best UTM and WAF and IPS and all of these other technologies. That's all part of the picture, don't get me wrong. But I think one of the hardest things is how do I get a well-funded security program? One of the historical issues we've had with funding a security program is that we tend to talk different languages to people, even inside IT. And we also tend to be very tactical versus strategic. So we'll run into the board or to the CIO, for example, with a new proposal for some new next-generation Wahoodie fandango gadget, and that's hard for someone else outside of IT security to understand. And a lot of the budget requests that we tend to make are often out of budget cycles. And I think that one of the hardest things is to get a well-funded and a steadily funded security program and finding ways to demonstrate that when someone gives us all of this funding to run a security program, is it working? You know, I gave you a million dollars last year, IT security, to go and upgrade this and that and put in something else that that took in more events per second than can detect, you know, these classes of malware. That all sounded really cool. Well, what happened? How did we go with that? You know, we still had a breach, or we still saw some workstations get infected with ransomware, or you know, we had other issues that stem from IT security. What happened with that? And and so I think that that to me is one of the really really tough ones, uh, and that we address that in various different ways. We've got I think five or six streams of topics at the security summit. But a lot of that sort of, if I could distill it down to one thing, I think that that's the hardest thing. How do I demonstrate value to people outside the business, help them understand what their digital risk is? And and how do I get a funding model that lets me address that in a way that aligns to what the business thinks we're actually doing versus, you know, the funding and the resourcing that we have for what we can actually get done. I think that there's a big delta there in a lot of people's mindsets in terms of what we think we're doing and what we think we're paying for and funding in a budget versus what the security team's capability to actually do is. Uh, that, that would be the one thing. I mean, the, a lot of the technology problems, um, I won't say go away, there's, there's constant innovation. I mean, we're tracking... Geez, it's been well over sort of twelve, fifteen hundred security vendors in our space now. It's crazy sometimes uh, how many vendors there are competing for a share of wallet. But um, but from an end user point of view, I think that that's that's arguably the biggest, in my view.
0: So, in the course of our discussion, Craig, you, you said you know we have the the budget hurdles we have to look at. We have staffing we have to consider. Um, There's even a cultural shift in terms of that communication, learning how to really communicate it outside of our our department. Um, So with all that we have to take into account, what are two or three steps that you recommend we start to take now to make sure we're indeed moving in this right direction?
1: Okay. I'll have a crack at that one. I think there's a few things. A is you need to, I think at a higher level, is understand or do a better job of communicating outside of IT security. I mean, one of the things that a lot of security people try really hard to do, bless us for trying, is we try and fix everything all the time. And I think part of it is having an honest conversation with people outside of IT and go, look, this program for where we're at is here on a maturity curve, and what does that look like to you? And if the business isn't happy with that, then presenting them with credible options on, well, if you want to reduce more risks, then we need to do this with our security program. So understanding what you are and aren't delivering in terms of risk and compensating controls, and what does that look like? And communicating that well, what I would sort of say outside of our little bubble inside InfoSec, what does that look like? How can we do a better job of doing that? I think that tactically, though, we still see, for example, one of the things that I find personally a bit frustrating is that we still see in 2017 that the majority of breaches and data loss activities come from the existence of known vulnerabilities. I mean, a lot of these high-profile things we're reading about in the paper, uh, say WannaCry or Petra would be two recent examples in the last couple of months, and you know, a lot of that was all leveraged off vulnerabilities that we know about. And I did a whole bunch of work and one of my sessions at this summit talked directly around that data and quantitative analysis I did was, why is that? This is actually a big problem. If zero days aren't, and they aren't, the problem that we're led to believe from a large amount of marketing that we see, then what can we do better for addressing the threats, that these vulnerabilities, A, that we actually know about, and B, because we have other capabilities and intelligence capabilities now to understand that, hey, these bad actors are using and leverage these vulnerabilities, and then what can we do about that? So I come from the sort of security operations and technology kind of wheelhouse, and we're still taking calls today from people that don't have centralized log management tools. They aren't doing a good job of checking for vulnerabilities, and they're certainly not aligning a lot of their operational controls to where most of their risk comes from and this might sound like a silly analogy but people are awfully worried about perhaps shark attacks but they might not even go to the beach yet they're happy to drive around for hours each week and we know that unfortunately hundreds of thousands of people will probably die on the roads around the world this year. So I think that our risk and understanding how the fundamentals of how the threat landscape operates is worth a revisit and press the reset button. Because when we think about that most breaches and data loss come from known vulnerabilities that we've known about in some cases for months and in some cases years, then we really need to double down and get back to doing some of the simple things well, I think is a good mantra to take into a security program for the next couple of years. Because a lot of these simple things too concurrently are simple concepts to understand, but they tend not to be some of the more expensive things to invest in. Like I cover advanced security analytics here and there's some cool stuff happening in that space, don't get me wrong, but implementing some good advanced analytics capability doesn't necessarily help you if you're not fixing some of the underlying root cause problems with basic vulnerabilities going too long to be either patched or you know deploying a compensated control that can help me until I can get them patched. I think that some of those Fundamental operational security risk elements, uh, we need to do a way better job. And when you look at all the breaches that we continue to see in the papers, the majority of them overwhelmingly come from some simple process or problems that we've known about, but we haven't found a way to address them. So that would be a couple of key takeaways for me for people to start thinking about.
0: Craig, thank you very much. Thank you, Scott spending time with you today. I completely agree, Craig. And I hope that our listeners will opt to spend some time with you and your Gartner colleagues at the Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit, August 21st and 22nd in Sydney. Gartner Research Vice President Craig Lawson will be helping to deliver the keynote. And another name on the expert roster is Craig's Gartner colleague, Rob McMillan, who we now have on the line to talk about managing risk. Rob, first of all, welcome. And you say that we need to look at security risk through the lens of business value. Why? Well,
2: cybersecurity is like just about any other risk that you have to manage in an organization. You have to assess what the bottom line outcome to the organization is. And bottom line might be financial, or it might be reputational, or it might be customer or staff welfare. But you've got to assess the bottom line value of the risk to the organisation and then the cost of implementing adequate security control to reduce that value to a level that you can live with. Managing risk is a business decision. There's no hard and fast rules about how much risk you shouldn't shouldn't take on. It's a choice. But organizations need to make that a conscious choice and then put in the right volume of resources to bring their own risk profile to within the level that they've decided they want it.
0: Uh, how would you say we're doing with approaching it in that, through that angle? We're going
2: through an evolutionary stage. Traditional security is we keep all the bad guys out and hopefully everything stays okay inside. Over the past mm, five years or more, I suppose. Organisations have been slowly migrating towards this more risk-conscious approach, but it's been you know, a slowish transition. What's happened is with some of the high-profile attacks that have occurred in the last few years, boards have taken a much keener interest than they have in the past. And so that has provided some impetus to this movement that was perhaps lacking five years ago. So there's still a long way to go. We still come across a large number of organizations who are looking to make the transition but haven't yet been able to do it successfully. But it's happening. It's what I call a slow revolution.
0: You mentioned that the boards are taking a, a harder look at this in in many cases. Uh, is that, uh, do you find a a good or a bad thing? I'm sure, you know, more scrutiny certainly brings with it its challenges, but it could also bring more resources.
2: (laughs) Well, you've hit the nail on the head there, haven't you? Some of the clients that I speak with, they feel perhaps a little overwhelmed when they're hit with that first request. But it's actually a very positive thing because it means that you've got the right people with the right influence. Within the organization taking an interest in these arguments, these propositions that previously CISOs have really had to deal with in isolation. So, you know, traditional security has been the technical problem managed by technical people, and the lines of business didn't want to know about it. Well, now boards are saying that cybersecurity is a material risk to the organization. We as a board are going to take a much greater interest in the management of these risks. And we want to know what the state of these risks are and what's being done about it. And of course, you know, boards and senior management, they have to make a trade-off between the resources that are devoted to these sorts of risks as well as the resources that are devoted to business initiatives or other forms of risk management. And so CISOs are having to become more sophisticated in understanding how security applies to the business goals of the organization and presenting that to senior management in a way that senior management can consume. But once they're able to do that, what they can find is that their arguments for resources are more effective and some of the hurdles that they will face within the organization to bring about culture change or to bring about you know, significant operational change. Those hurdles are perhaps easier to overcome because there's a more, I won't say collegial, but there's a broader understanding across the organization about why this stuff is important. and It's not just, you know, an obscure technical thing.
0: So then what is it we should be doing in this uh, new evolutionary stage to, to really deliver on this? Because, you know, security has traditionally been kind of seen as, okay, we have a threat coming. Shut it down. And obviously now yeah. we've moved more where now you have mobile. Everything else, you have to keep things running no matter what. Now with the board looking, it's kind of hard to walk in and say, I can keep us safe, but we're going to have to turn the business off for a little while. So what are some of the things we need to be doing right now to to, to really meet this demand to view things through a business lens? Yeah,
2: there's a number of things that need to occur. The first thing is that CISOs really uh, have an obligation almost to – Be able to map the security risks that they're looking to manage, be able to map those into the context of the organization. And that means being able to use tools like causal chains. You know, there's a root security problem. What does that mean to a business impact to the organization? And we saw that earlier on this year with, uh, I think it was with WannaCry, and we saw, you know, a national health service in another country suffer real problems in delivery of those health services because of this technical event. So CISOs need to be able to extrapolate the technical security event to the bigger business impact to the organisation and show that demonstrably. That's the first thing. The second thing is CISOs have to get good at using language. And that's not necessarily something that, if you like, old school security practitioners have been good at. They've been very focused on solving hard problems. But when you want to take people along the journey with you, you need to be able to use language and concepts that those people understand so that they can internalize why they need to come along this journey. You also need to start measuring effectively. You've got to measure the right things and make sure that the things that you measure trigger a decision if they change. So there's no point in measuring the number of attacks against an external firewall. We still see that in uh, the security dashboards that we look at because there's no decision that really hangs off that. All you're doing is saying, well, some bad guys tried some stuff and a firewall did its job. There's no business decision associated with that. But if you can show that how... A denial-of-service attack can interrupt the ability of a hospital to get orders through for blood or for medical instruments in an emergency and therefore that has patient care outcomes if you can put together metrics that show that sort of relationship you know that effectively gives color to the causal chain argument that I was talking about before
0: so Rob let's build off that is the metrics needed to do this, simply learning how to do it in business terms, or is it something different we need to be measuring as a security organization versus just how we communicate that? Uh,
2: great question. It's actually a bit of both. What we find is that sometimes people have the right metrics, but they don't package them up the right way. You know, it's a bit like uh, you know, presentation is nine tenths of the pallet, so it's a matter of packaging sometimes and sometimes it's a matter of being able to understand that causal change so you can turn what's effectively a lagging indicator or a lagging metric of a technical security problem that exists now or has just existed into a leading indicator of a business risk that's going to make its presence felt in the near future. Other times it's a case of, yeah, starting to change what you measure. Which means that you really need to understand what your business is, whether your business is government or in the commercial sector or whatever, you need to understand what your business is. And a really good place to start for those sorts of things are annual reports. You know, I've had calls where, you know, I've asked SISOs about what's important to the organization and they don't know. And, you know, they know from a security perspective, but they don't really know from a business perspective. And I've pulled up the annual report just prior to the call. And I've actually read out the contents of the annual report to the size. I would say you link your security metrics to these outcomes in your annual report because that's what your executive has said is important to the organization. And then suddenly you have relevance. It,
0: it sounds like there's also the opportunity for CISOs, if they do this correctly, to, to make security more of a strategic part of the business business strategy on top of it all.
2: Yes, indeed. In fact, when we tell people about security strategy, we sort of note that as you develop a vision statement for what security has to look like in the decision horizon, whether decision horizon is three years or five years, there's a number of areas that you need to look at. And one of the first areas you need to look at is, what is the business strategy of the organization? Because the security strategy has to support that business strategy. So you're exactly right. And if your business strategy is, we're going to be developing a new product or a new service, well, then one of the first questions the size I should be thinking about is, what are the security capabilities that we need to develop or modify to support that new product or support that new service? So the security capability, the security strategy is being driven by the business strategy in that case. So you're right, if you adopt this approach the right way, Security becomes a strategic component for how the organisation is going to develop and operate over the next little period.
0: Now, for the sake of our listeners, I can tell you that the next best step for you would actually be checking out the Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit coming up in Sydney. And they can get full details on that at the uh, end of our conversation. But, Rob, for the sake of uh, wrapping up this part of our discussion, uh, what are some uh, immediate steps you'd recommend that listeners take to make sure they're indeed on the right path to truly uh, looking at risk Uh, In cybersecurity through that lens of business value?
2: First thing is understand what business value means to your organization. And uh, that means look at the business plans of the organization, look at the annual reports. Go talk with the executives in other parts of the organization and find out what it is that they have to deliver every day. Find out the decisions that they have to make every day so that you understand the context within which security is operating. Understand the links between the security risks that you think about every day. When you think about ransomware, or you think about denial of service attacks, or you think about deficiencies in your patching, when you think about those sorts of security issues, develop those into proper risk scenarios because then you start to hone in on the problems you've got to solve because you're in a competition for funding like everybody else. You need to demonstrate why funding that security problem is more important than funding something else in the organisation. Start using the right language, start measuring the right things so you're demonstrating relevance and that you're seen as part of the solution and not an esoteric little technical group in the background. They're probably the three biggest things that you can start doing straight away. It's a change of mindset as well as a change of practice.
0: Rob, thank you very much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for your time.
0: Rob McMillan is a research director at Gartner, and we hope you'll take the time to join Rob and our earlier guest, Gartner Research Vice President Craig Lawson, at the Gartner Security and Risk Management Summit, August 21st and 22nd in Sydney. You can learn more about the summit and register for it at gartner.com slash events slash APAC slash security. And get even more security insights in the Gartner webinars, which you'll find at gartner.com slash webinars. And make sure to check out our other Gartner ThinkCast conversations at gartner.com slash podcasts. Or subscribe to Gartner ThinkCast via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. For Gartner ThinkCast, I'm Scott Smith.